Eager Raven returns to Kickstarter in its first trade paperback collecting issues 1 through 4 in one full color volume. Eager Raven, heir of the first unicorn, is the story of a unicorn princess exiled into the mortal realm after she is betrayed by her elf prince husband-to-be, dragons overtake her kingdom, and how she trains to become a knight with the help of an unusual trio of blacksmiths. It's a mature audience telling of the classic hero's journey with a soap opera twist. So check out Eager Raven, heir of the first unicorn, volume one today. Good morning, George. What's going on in the morning, bro, on this Ooh. fine morning? We have a lot going on. We're going to be talking about cross-gen. We're going to be talking about Young Justice. We're going to be talking about engagement. Ooh, find out. Coming up um, next. Let's give them something to talk about. Good morning, good morning, good morning, all fine feathered friends out there. Welcome <laughs> good <to> morning brew. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the morning brew with the crazy crew. Do you have your brew? Um, check good us night. out. Listen, we, we're here. We're going to be talking about some fun stuff today. So please make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, comment below, and all that other fun stuff. Uh, but we're gonna get you know right into some some good stuff. We're talking about cross gen. We're going to do a little history on, on cross-gen and what happened there. Sammy's got some info for us. Right. We're going to be talking about Young Justice and DC and, and, and what they're doing over at Discovery and, and uh, HBO Max. And, you know, why are they taking away the kids programming, man? So we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff. And then we have a topic that we're talking about today, engagement. You'll, you'll find out more about that, you know, what, what that's all about. Right. But, um, but, yeah, brother, we got a lot going on, man. We got a lot going on. You have a lot going on. I have a lot going on, but first I want to say thank you to uh, Daphne Lage, um, yes. the official sponsor of this episode. She has Eagle Raven launching on Monday on Kickstarter. <clears throat> Link will be in the summary, um, so check it out. Uh, again, I think um, between Eagle Raven, Tall Tales, and the Oswald Chronicles, Daphne and uh, on uh, JD, JD. Calderon, um, they guys are killing the Kickstarter game. So uh, check it out. Um, thank you so much. And then also want to shout out to um, ASAP. They have uh, a convention coming up. What's up with that, George? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Paul Hayden, our buddy over uh, across the pond, has been uh, doing this uh, for two years. He opened up his small uh, independent publishing company and ASAP Imagination, and it's been going great for the last two years. He's got Dog Eaters as one of his uh, one of his titles that they're publishing. And so they're celebrating their two-year anniversary. Oh. It's uh, going down August 25th and 26th on their on their YouTube channel. So you guys want to check that out. Anyone Con is the name of the event. And they're going to have games. Go. And they're going to have games. They're going to have a whole bunch of stuff. There's going to be a celebration of two years of being in the, an independent publisher. And as we all know, if you've done this self-publishing for a while, you know how hard the grind is. So big shout out to him and congratulations on two years, my friend. Hope you're watching. Word. That's for you. And congrats. And thank you to everybody who has contributed to the 100,000 views. Um, Word. We have over 830 something videos on this channel <clears throat> and uh, we've achieved 100,000 views. Thank you all. 70% um, of our viewers are not subscribed. And uh, we hope that uh, you do convert and subscribe because um, you're watching for a reason and we appreciate your support. And remember, it doesn't cost you a thing, but we, we definitely appreciate any support that you have to offer us. But so I just want to put that out there and say thank you. And um, but yes. So are you in Texas this weekend? I hope so. If you are, come down to the Arlington Comic Fest booth number 25, where you can meet artists extraordinaire, Sam Vera and Duty from Uranus. And uh, so we'll be at booth 25 in the Artist Alley. It's a corner uh, booth um, on the aisle. So come and see us. We'll be there with uh, some original art um some uh the book signing and the whole lot of stuff is going to be fun 
and we have an incentive uh, for you to come to the table. But the only way to find out is to by coming to the table. So uh, check us out there. And have you signed up for this alien my toilet issue number three, I Chihuahua? And uh, if you haven't, um, please do so. We're trying to get to 100. Thank you to the 72 people who have signed up so far. I appreciate you. Duty appreciate you. It goes a long way. And if you sign up today, I will send you this digital print of Duty's Monsters on Planet Cthulhu. And if you sign up and get this print, but you got to send me your email. Um, and then you come back and back it when we launch on the 20th for a physical tier. You'll get that print physically in the mail as a thank you. And that ties into Duty's Monsters on Planet Cthulhu. And uh, this is going to be an all-out battle royal crazy adventure story that duty gets himself into sometimes he bites off more than he can chew so it's going to be fun and i hope that uh, you guys uh, come down for the launch on the 20th but right now if you sign up i appreciate that tremendously that's uh and george is being attacked by aliens at this point uh, ah! i don't know what's going on <clears throat> but there's also a variant cover back. of here's duty for i chihuahua so that's going to be available on the campaign as well so it's going to be fun it's going to be exciting and you should all have be receiving your rewards for issue two now. Um, uh, so you, you know, your mail between today, tomorrow, and Saturday, you should all have it. So I'm excited about that. So that's done deal. I promised to deliver in August. I delivered in August, even with the delays in the post office. I was like, yes, baby. So uh, I appreciate everybody's support. Sweet deal, dog. Yeah, nah, good stuff. Good stuff. Definitely get on that. Make sure you, uh, you're you tuning in on September 20th at 7.30 p.m. It's going to go down. We're going to be talking uh, duty. There's an end in my toilet. You know, all got fun stuff that uh, that Sam's got in the world of there's an alien in my toilet, uh, duty, and the planet Uranus, and all that other fun stuff um, that he's got going on. So, yeah, check that out. Um, also, if you guys get a chance, go over to getyourmedswithaz.com. I'm actually throwing up new designs for T-shirts in there. Uh, and also, you know, I, I realized I haven't given my boy Russ 5377 enough love. No. So there are new designs of his, uh, ca of that character on the uh, on the website that is coming up. Um, it's I can, You can buy that stuff internationally now. It's available internationally on the store. So if you're in, you know, all over the world, if you're in Japan, if you're out there in, you know, in the U.K., you can definitely order the T-shirts out there, so make sure you get on that. And uh, there's an alien. Well, there's an alien. The Adventures of Wonder Duck. I'm currently producing uh, chapter six is already done. Chapter seven is being done, and hopefully by next year, sometime I would say in the spring, maybe the summer, I'll have the graphic novel ready to go. So anybody who gets that little golden ticket in their in their packages that I've sent out. You guys can come see me at any convention that I'm at, any any anywhere that I'm uh, presenting, and you can you know get your free copy. So that's what's going on, dog, in the world of you know of you know days in my toilet and the adventures of Wonder Dog, West Five Three Seven Seven. So check that out, check that out for show, for show, for sure. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's exciting. Oh, I, you know, on a side note, have you seen God's favorite idiot? No. Oh man, was that a Melissa What's McCarthy, yeah, it's, no. Netflix. it's a series. Mm. Uh, her husband, um, Falcone, Ben Falcone, I guess that's his name. He's the he wrote it, he produced it, starred in it. Um, it is hilarious. It is, it is slapstick, corny, comedy at its best, right? Nice. And, uh, you know, say it's all the things that you would. So if you take, if you take what you would normally find on the Sci-Fi Channel with like Sharknado, and then you add Laverne and Shirley to it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just fun, corny, good family fun. It's amazing, and it's about the um, God. God picked them, you know, because the end of times is coming, and the devil has infiltrated heaven and is trying to dethrone God, and they need him to help spread the word. And nice. people think that he's a false prophet, and he's like me. He's just a regular nerd, goofy dude. And you get the four horsemen of apocalypse, and there's some corny dudes, and they just like cosplayers. It is the craziest thing, but it's the, it, it is hilarious. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah, now I haven't checked that out. I've been watching the show called Hacks on, I think it's on HBO Max. Uh, I've been watching that show about a comedian, a lady comedian who has a residency in Vegas, but they're trying to get her out of it because she's getting older and her jokes aren't hidden anymore and stuff like that. So she hires these young girl to help her write jokes and they develop this. And it's about, you know, if you're, if you're a writer or if you're like a stand-up comedian trying to make it, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a good show. It's an interesting, interesting look into 
what happens and how how comedians write their material because that's that's a that's an art form man like yeah. to come up with a show that way and to write down jokes and to because comedy for me for me i think comedy and i think comedy and maybe horror are the two hardest things to write and i say that because that what makes you laugh may not make me laugh right. and what scares you may not scare me so as a writer you got to find a way to that it appeals to can make everybody laugh so when you look at a stand-up comedian go up on stage and tell their jokes you know, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't because it's hard to make people laugh all at the same time. Yeah. So it's an interesting show. Yeah. So I've been watching that hacks and I, and I checked that, um, she Hulk this morning. The first episode is out on uh, Disney plus for all our comic book, uh, fanatics out there. It, it was good. It was good, man. It was good. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a first episode. Um, there are things that I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, you know why well, that happened, but you know, I, I listen, you got to spend reality sometimes when you're watching these shows and uh, and yeah. just go with it, you know, not be so critical. Uh, the, I know everybody, with everybody, everybody is, everybody's an expert. Everyone, uh, you know. Well, yeah, we were talking about that last week, they, right? Yeah. They take the fun away. You know, when you think about hundreds of people involved to create these films, millions of dollars of money, uh, and, and then you want to sit on your throne and bash the fact that these people put their heart and soul into what at the time they felt was a great script, great plot for them, whatever. And, you know, they greenlit it because they thought it was good enough. Just enjoy it for what it is. And, and you know, and, 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 you know, don't need to start trashing the actors. Or, or know. This and that is like, come on. They're just regular people working. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That That's fans, right? The word fanatic. It's what a fan is. It's a fanatic. It's somebody yeah. who just doesn't think rationally. And it's, it happens in sports all the time. It's like, you know, fans are oh, just fans. Sports, sports been out of control lately with all the fights. Oh, yeah, dude. It's it's, it's insane. So, you know, it, it happens. But the show the show was was good, man. I, I, I didn't. I thought it was. I, I love the actress. Um, I think when, when you're creating a character. Um, and not that they created this character for the show. Obviously, it's a comic book character. And, I never, and to be fair, I'd never read the comics. But um, but she's a little, you know, she's a little much sometimes, you know, the way it's written. Um, in the sense that, you know, she's 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 always right. You know, well, she's a lawyer, though, right? She's a lawyer. So she's right. she's used to winning arguments all the time. And there's a lot of that thrown into which character development. Got to give them that. Now, whether you like or dislike the character, that's on you. I thought it would some of it was a little much, but that's just my opinion. And and but for the most part, I enjoyed it. And I was just like, all right, let me let me keep watching this. Let me, let me check it out. Um, because you know, we're all gonna have opinions about it either way. You know, you don't have to like it, you know, I don't have to like it, but you know, I, I enjoyed the first episode. So I'll see what happens uh in the next one. But yeah, man, they're back. Isn't isn't the actress in the Hulk the one who played in Off in Black? Is it? I don't know, man. Is I, her name I, I Tatiana Maslany? Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, something like that. So she played in that very popular series for, on the BBC, Orphan Black, where mm. she had clone sisters, and she played all the sisters. Really? Uh, yes, and it was fantastic series. She's, Me and my wife was addicted to it. If you haven't seen Orphan Black, go check it out. She's um, British? She is. What is she? She is. No, I mean, does she have an accent in, in, in that? You said it was in the BBC. Is she is she British? Um. No, she's not British. No, no, oh, okay. on the BBC channel, and um, oh, okay. uh, she's a Canadian actress. Yeah, often Black mm. ran from 2013 to 2017, um, and we, we we were addicted to that show. She has this one sister um, that has this very strong. Oh, it's like a German accent, or whatever. She's like Zester, you know. And hey, I just loved it. So when I saw her face, I was like, "Oh, hey, good morning, Aurelis." When I saw hey, her, face, good morning. she was from Often Black. Um, but uh, oh, yeah, cool. So, to go back to what you said about com comedy, this is what makes Andrew Schultz from Brilliant Idiots so popular because what his his whole shtick is the audience. His whole thing is the conversation with the audience. He walks in, he looks at somebody, he goes, "Where you from?" and he starts a conversation, and then he starts ranking, and it becomes everyone because everyone relates to all the things that he's talking about. And he crosses the line sometimes, and and they love that in that audience because one of the things he says is this has got to be the safe the safe space because we're going to we're just going to have fun. But his stick is he goes in, he reads the crowd, he just targets people, and then he starts the conversation, and he's just hilarious, bro. No, Andrew Schultz is funny, but like, but again, I think I think that's the genius of a good comedian 
right? It's not only being able to just go off the top and just make jokes on people, you know, whatever. Because comedians do that all the time. I mean, they, they you know, whenever there's a heckler in the room, they know how to handle the heckler or, or if they if they want to go in. But he also has, he also does have like a, a set that he does. Like he also does, he's got a, he's, I think, uh, so what he did was he sold his special, the new special that he has, sold it to a streaming service. The streaming service told him, yo, dude, some of these jokes we're going to have to take out. We're going to have to edit. And he was like, nah. So he got, he took it back. He said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll take it back. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. You, you guys give it back to me. So he took it back and decided to put it out himself on his own website and, and sell it himself. Of course, it helps that he has friends like The Rock who, you know, hooked him up with a little advertisement on his, on his social media and boom, he's made more money doing it his way than he would have if he sold it to the, to right, the streaming and I, service. I was the head executive. I would fire the guy who said you had to change this. Right. But you know how it is. I mean, no, but we live in a, in, in a world where, you know, people are sensitive. So I'm sure that. But comedy that should never be that, you know, comedians should, should be above all that because. No, I agree. It's been for, for F since the beginning of time, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, they've crossed the line. You know, you know, it's like with, with the whole Mr. T. Hey, boy, look mighty cute in them jeans. I mean, the, the things well, that we said, yeah. <laughs> you know, you said but it, but, that, but it was a different time. Back no, then. but I'm saying is every generation has its own um, sensitivity markers. Right. So I just think that, you know, with comedians, they they should be above reproach. They should be able to have fun because they're connected to what makes Andrew Schultz great is he's well versed and knowledgeable about cultures, life, politics, and that helps with his comedy because he's extremely educated. And I think that helps. But, I, you know, you know, when, when, when censorship should only apply if it's grotesque, it's it's targeted stuff, it's hate speech. That's when you need censorship. But when it's just humor and you're taking a situation that exists that everyone's aware of and you're putting a comedic twist to it, have fun. See, but I, I'll say this: What makes you laugh may not make me laugh. So, what right. makes what make what you found funny in Andrew Schultz, I may not find funny, right? right? Because I may find it offensive, and it's okay to have. To me, if you're offended by what that comedian says, then don't listen to him. Don't go but to don't the show. You, exactly. I, I think that's the way you handle it, right? right? I think that, but I think the and 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 I like Andrew Schultz. But what I like about Andrew Schultz is that he'll say something. And it may be controversial, but the, the the beauty of a good comedian is that he makes you think, and then you say, "Damn, that that actually kind of makes sense," you know? Yeah. Well, what's going on, Jerry? Yeah, that actually makes sense. And so now you're like, "All right, I understand why he's saying that." And I, and that's the comedy I like. I like comedy that makes you. That's why I like Chris Rock. I think Chris Rock's uh, comedy is that way. Uh, Andrew Schultz is that way. Bill Burr is that way. Bill Burr says some outlandish stuff. Yes. But when you think about what he's saying, you're like, wow, that kind of makes sense. You know, he's yes. got a whole shtick about the word no and how it's different. And, and if you guys watch it, it's hysterical, but it makes you think like, oh, shoot, that actually kind of makes sense. But yeah, no, I mean, listen, comedy, comedy, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough right. It's a tough comedy. Um, horror too, bro. Horror, horror is the same thing. Horror is it's the same crazy. thing. You know, it's funny when you brought up horror, that was the first book that I wrote. And when I was writing comics, was the Book of Wrath that mm -hmm. I that I wanted to produce under my banner, Crazy Comics, was <clears> the Book of Wrath. Um, um, and that was my first. I still have the pages, <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny because you could say you could tell that I was uh, an aspiring artist. Uh, but I have the original pages and the script, and I was like, man, this is dark. You know, it was right. dark. you know, um, but yeah, it is, it is. But I gave up writing it because it was just too dark, and I didn't feel feel good about writing it. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it, that's what it is. Horror movies are my true. What is it? True comedy movies, right? Because exactly. See, like a person like I, I don't know who made the statement, but Jerry. so Jerry. So what scares Jerry may you know may not may not scare. Oh, what scares me may not scare Jerry because Jerry's like yo. Like I remember when The Exorcist first came out. Right, Ooh. people were frightened, scared. Right. Yes. I went to the movies to watch like an uh, like a like a like a special like they brought it back to the movie theaters at the years, 
And some of those scenes, people are laughing in the theater. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were just, ah! <laughs> like they didn't find it. They didn't find it scary anymore because the world has changed. We've become desensitized. I can never say that word to, um, to the different things. So now, you know, we don't find those things scary. And it's like Gary said, it's comedy, right? When she's walking down, there, there was a scene where she's walking down the stairs and she looks crazy. And it's like people just cracking up, you know, like, but back in the days when it first came out, it was like, oh my because God. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're living a true horror story in society. When you well, see yeah. the amount of violence things and change. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You know, you just become numb. <clears throat> you become numb to certain things. I mean, I think, yeah. what was it? Paranormal activity was scary as heck. You know, um, that, you know, it, it was so scary that first, the first movie that we had the DVD. My wife made me give it away. Because she didn't want it in the house. <laughs> because that thing, she said she didn't want it. It was just like it was one of those things. But uh, 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 but yeah, I mean, I don't like watching horror movies um, because I don't like the anxiety when I'm watching that stuff. I'm like, ah, forget this. I, I want to laugh. Um, but it's funny because it, we were talking about you're talking about you're a fan of the Sandman, um, and so I tried watching it because of his voice and it's so monotone. I keep falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is like I sit right. down, I'm getting ready, yeah. and I'll let yeah. yeah, no, no. I I'll tell you this, dude. Like, and I was saying this, you know, big shout out to the nerds of the round, um, to uh you know uh Sebastian and the guys right. over there, Tone, Law, and and uh Val. But um <clears throat> I was on the show and I told him, I said, had I not read the comic, had I not started reading the comic, I probably would not have liked the show. Right. Because the first episode or two are very slow. You don't know what the heck's going on. You're like, what the hell is this about? But when you read the comic, it's it's done, you know, you you understand. And even the comic's a little weird. But if when you stick long enough, you read 22 pages, you're like, oh, okay, I get this, I get this. Right. So when I watched it after I read the book, I understood what was going on. Otherwise, I probably would have just been like, yeah. I, can't I still it. don't know what's going on. My wife's been watching everything. Like, she's been awake through all of it. Um, um, uh, yeah, no, Mr. Sandman, give me your dream. But, um, uh, is even like last night. Uh, I we started watching episode two. Like I missed half hour of episode one because half hour in I was out. Right. So we started episode two. I was. Um, so you didn't finish watching episode one? Nope. <laughs> she was already. She did. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna start at episode two. See if I can. Does she like. Does she like it. She, she, she like episode. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. loves. It. So uh, we're we're in the, at the 15 minute mark of episode two. All I know Damn. is I wake up and she's on episode three. Um, Damn. And, uh, I wake up. She's like towards the ending of episode three. I was like, "What happened?" Uh, and, and so I, yo, know, I, I, it's I gotta watch it like in the morning, but because I can't watch it at night because it puts me to sleep. Sometimes it's a genre thing too. Like maybe you're just not interested in that, and that's okay. It's like I can't really watch um, fantasy. I can't watch that stuff like dragons and all that other. I, oh. I can't. Oh, I can't. It's not my thing. It's got to be really well written for me to sit down and watch it, which is why Game of Thrones, I thought I was going to hate, but then I started watching it because it, it wasn't about dragons and all that. It was more about the personal, you know, just the, the characters themselves and how evil some people are and how good some people are. And it was about that dynamic. And that made me keep watching it until season eight or whatever. Um, but now that new one's coming out, right? The new one's coming out on, on the 21st. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a lot of dragons in this one. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, watch this. But I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. I don't know. There were three know. dragons in Game of Thrones. There were, but they were bad. But they weren't really. That wasn't the story. You know, right. like that wasn't like they weren't. That isn't the story either. If you watch the whole plot, they happen to have the dragons. Right. They, they want to try to put in all these things. Correct. Because they know, number one, they knew that they know that dragons always sell. Right, so that, right. that everyone like like how to train your dragon. Every you know, it's like everyone wants dragons, and how popular they were in Lord of the Rings, right? right and right. Uh, so that's why I think that's why they added that 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 whole element to it. I mean, I don't yeah. know how far. I'm not that well versed in the whole um, Tolkien mythos. Right, the Lord um, of the Rings. Yeah, I, yeah, I know the Hobbit on, um, and uh, but it's going to take me. Um, reprogramming my mind 
Because when I think I think Peter Jackson's Lord of Rings, right? So I got to no, no. But I'm talking about the dragon. The, the story, the thing that I'm talking about is is the continue or the prequel to Lord of the not Lord yeah, of the Rings. Uh, Game, yeah, of yeah. Game, yeah. Of Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, it's oh. it's the prequel to Game of Thrones. That that's what I'm talking about. Oh, um, yeah. not not the uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. That too. Yeah, you know, the, the prequel. Yeah, again, it's, it's another thing. I'm so used to Khaleesi. I'm so used to all the main characters. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how is the, how it's, are they going to try to be those guys? Right. Or are right, they going right. to? Uh, is it going to be the world before the world, right? Yeah, so that, that's, that's what it the, is. Like, I hope they're not trying to be another Khaleesi, be another this, or be another that. I hope they're just telling this, a great story with the right casting. And, you know, you won't know until you watch the first episode. Yeah. Well, one of the, I forget who, um, one of the characters in The Sandman was actually in Game of Thrones, and I can't remember his name. Um, the guy that plays Burgess. Who's Burgess? He, <laughs> in, uh, in The Sandman, <laughs> he's, the one, he's the one that, that kills Dream, thinking it's death. Uh, um, at the beginning of the Sandman, he was in Game of Thrones. Uh, the guy that keeps showing up when everybody, like the guy who, the guy that um, his mom died and she gave him hit the gem. No, the okay, so, so his, his, his father, his okay. father, yeah, okay. that guy. But um, but yeah, yo, we, I like how we go off these tangents and we haven't even uh, talked about anything. <laughs> we we kind of were talking about. We're warming we're so, it up. We're warming it up. We're warming it's, it up. It's a warm up. It's a warm up. Play. It's full play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but so so another another. All right, so this is going to be a crazy transition. But oh, jeez, we talk about we talk about you know comedy. We talk about horror, kids programming, <laughs> right? Kids programming, oh. and I think I think that when we were growing up as kids, for example, you know, we had a lot of shows to watch. I remember growing up, and you know, we all talk about we're, we're older, so we talk about the Saturday morning cartoons and how those were dope. Man, you get up in Saturday morning. Uh, Barry Blythe, yes, Jerry. Yep, that's him. Um, we were, we we always talk about how we used to get up and watch these cartoons and all this other stuff. And I feel like a lot of that stuff has been taken away gradually, right? Kids aren't watching cartoons as much. I was reading an article about um Young Justice, the show uh that they have, and uh, I think it's season four just ended, and they're not going to be new season five. They're just not going to do it. And part of it is because you know the the new head over at uh discovery plus discovery or whatever the merger was has decided they're going to cut down on kids programming which i personally think is a mistake but it looks like they are trying to save a lot of money i think billions of dollars is what he wanted to save and so he's cutting a lot of stuff so one of the things that he's going to cut is some of the kids programming now i'm wondering why right i'm wondering why so in that article they were talking about young justice and how after season two it was canned because the toys weren't selling the toys for the for the board weren't selling. So they decided, you know what, let's can the show. But they revived it, brought it back. Season three was great. Season four saw the biggest numbers. And now they're gonna he didn't like season four. But apparently they had the most the most watch. Most kids are on social media, which means their brains are too fried to appreciate Saturday morning cartoons. What's up, Chris? And and I think and, and that and you know the handheld stuff, you know what I mean? But it just goes to show you kids aren't watching cartoons, kids aren't buying toys. So what happens? You have to kill it. And um, but I wonder how do we bring that back? Like I know you said you had a lot to talk about on that, Sam. So what 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 do you think on, on the whole thing? So so I think number one, they need a, a different team that's responsible for merchandising, right? Yeah. And and really understanding the culture, the trend change, all those things, right? So Chris mm -hmm. just said something. That, oh, Jesus Christ. Christ again! Did I call now? Ah. Joe, Joe's getting jacked. I'm dying. Uh, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> Help! Mercy! Mercy! <laughs> um, so I think you know, talking to my mother-in-law, she's like, "How come I didn't develop a game?" I was like, "Well, because the game is a whole lot of cheddar, right? Uh, to develop a game it takes a lot of money and a lot of investment." Um, uh, good morning, <laughs> good morning, Doc Block. Um, so I think, I think their their PR department, their R and D department, I think they need to figure out how to tie in any animation to a game promoting those characters as action figures or whatever it is. Um, but you have to have a game tied into it, a handheld game. Right. Um, uh, and you got to figure out what's working, right? So you have to have, you have to have short clips <laughs> on social media of those cartoons. They got to figure out how to 
start promoting uh, having a social media team that just puts out short clips and get people to subscribe to that Instagram page or that whatever it is that streaming profile just to get those short clips and then start conversations and engagement and have a team just dedicated to talking to the fans about the characters and all that other stuff and then use that information to determine whether or not it's a viable investment to do toys right yeah. so you're talking to you know would you love to see you know ariel as an action figure and see what the consensus is and that's what you gotta do you gotta unfortunately today you you have to pay for the personnel you can't use bots and, and you have to start engaging the, the audience but i think the game and the cartoon has to be one in the same because that's going to drive traffic to the and the books you get the kids to pick up the books um that's also um what's up uncanny george uh everything's going to be digital too yeah so i think you gotta uh, again you, the books the game and the animation are primary the merchandising is secondary right because if you get them to buy the books you get them to play the game you get them to watch the cartoon they will pick up everything else but if they don't have those and you don't have that that demand, you're not going to get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what's changed today. Back then, you could just run a commercial. <clears throat> when I grew up, you run a He-Man commercial, and everyone's like, "Mom, I want Castle Grayskull," because we had no other form of communication, no other distractions. It was the TV, it was books, and it was sports when we were kids, right? And so now it's a little different. Well, actually, there's a little more than that. You actually need to test market things and do market research before anything can be done. Uh, the bottom line yeah, is profitability. Yeah, that's basically what you're doing. You're doing a, consensus, a, a census and you're going out there and you're talking directly to the audience that you're trying to get to spend their money. Um, but it requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of back-end work before you decide, you know, you walk into a room, I have a great idea for a new, new, new toy and this and that. And then it fails because you didn't do your homework or you didn't go and test the market. Just because it popped off as a movie doesn't mean it's going to pop off as a merchandise. And you really have to figure out in, in incremental stages what's trending right now. Gaming is trending, right? Handhelds, you know, everyone's playing, you know, apps, game apps, you know, whatever, social media, shorts. You know, people don't have attention spans. I mean, you know, they don't want to, you know, when it takes, you have to be a real fan to appreciate a three-hour Lord of the Rings uh, in a theater, because most people are, I'm not gonna go see them sit there for three hours. I gotta go and, uh, I, you know, go on my Instagram feed. No, yeah, I, I think that we 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 talked a little bit about it when we were talking about the whole horror thing, right? That people 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 change, and I think kids have changed. Kids yeah. aren't as quote unquote innocent as maybe we were growing up, or everything we saw we're like, oh, that's magical, right? I think kids today like more are are more mature than we were growing up, so. Marketing to them, a, a cartoon may not be appealing to them unless the cartoon has some, I, I, I want to say adult themed. I, what's that? What's that cartoon? Mork and and it's like a it's like a rip on on Marty McFly and, and Doc Brown. I can't remember the cartoon, but that cartoon Rick is yeah, Rick and Morty exactly. Like that cartoon is my my nephews. Look, you know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, it's hysterical. And it's like I have, I have volumes one and two of the Art of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, but what, you see what I'm saying? But like, but, but that, but that isn't your typical, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoon no. that we were watching. It's no. different. Yeah. So, um, objective parties to handle the market research when you are too involved with your project, you may skew your results and not provide a clear picture. Um, yeah, I think it, it, a lot of that is, okay, what do kids want today? And I think that that's what, that's what's, has taken away some of these cartoons because kids don't want cartoons, right? They want they want video games, they want handheld games, they want instant set of TikTok, you know, they want those kind of things. Um, so it's kind of hard. Maybe you maybe you throw on, you know, like you said, a, a two minute or but a minute cartoon on TikTok. You just said it. You, you just you just you know what I mean. It just made me realize something. Generationally, things are very different, right? When we mm -hmm. were kids, right, there was no other form of distraction. Your parents had to work. Go play. Go whatever. So you decided what you were going to do. I'm going to watch that in morning cartoons. I'm going to, you know, go outside and ride my bike. I'm going to play with my friends at the park. Right. Um, there weren't all these distractions today because of the world is so chaotic right now. I think what you're seeing also now is that there are some, there are a, a good majority of parents that are deciding what's good for the kid. 
and it may not be the cartoon. Maybe they're trying to get them to play more sports. Maybe they want to get them to 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 start developing a natural skill or whatever it is. It's very different when we had the choice when we were kids. And no one, as long as we were distracted, the parents were okay because they were tired from working and whatever it is. And so I think today, because there's so much going on, there's so much influence in what goes into the thought process of the child. You know, you don't know where to go. I think the parents, some parents, at a when the kids are younger age, they might think that that you know that cartoon is not good for my kid. I'm good. I'd rather have them go and you know work on the flute or you know or play soccer or whatever it is. So there's a lot of things that go. I think that the, the times have changed. Um, the elements have changed. And then, you know, once you start going to school and you're five years old, six years old, and your your friends have a phone because your phone, your mom wants you to have a phone, and next thing you know you have an Instagram account, and you know they they, they think they put the safe settings. You get all that outside influence that changes your whole perspective uh-huh. of life. You're like, maybe I'm, maybe cartoons are too corny for me. I need to hang out with my friends, and I'm only seven years old. See, I, I, I think it's generational. I remember, I remember being a kid watching cartoons, and my mom saying, "Hey, right, stop watching TV. It's gonna fry your brain." Mm-hmm. They were always trying. You know, I wanted to watch cartoons, and they would like, go outside and play. So it's generational. Kids today pick up a phone and they're just on their phone all day. And the parents are like, get outside and do something. That, you know, stop, stop, you know, watching that on your, on your phone. So it is generational. The thing is the content that the kids are, are being, are being exposed to. How do we, how do we make that content our content? You know, like the, the things that say, for example, you and I are writing, how do we make that? Do we put that on, on, on a handheld where, like I said, TikTok, you throw in and, and you talk about, doing a two minute little quick short, you know, an animation, not an animation, but like an action kind of comic on their phone. So that they are aware of that, of that particular character. Like, you know, what are some of the things that can be done to expose them to some of the stuff that we're doing to kind of bring back that, bring back that innocence, so to speak, um, which I don't know, maybe it's too far gone. Kids are different now. Kids don't like the same things that we like. So maybe the, the, the stuff that we're writing has to be a little more edgy for them to kind of, you know, be attracted to it or, how do we change that? How do we make parents, for example, you said parents don't, you know, don't want, parents just want their kids to be quiet. I'm not a parent. I don't know. So if you're a parent, let me know. But I feel like parents give things kids to kind of keep, keep them quiet while I'm doing this. So here, watch your thing on, on your phone. That'll keep you quiet. Like, for yeah, us, go, watch, right. go watch cartoons. And, and so I can go clean the house for a little bit. That's what mom used to do. All right, fine. You don't want to go outside then go watch this cartoon, but don't watch too long, whatever. So that's how they monitored what we were doing and that's how they kept us kind of like you know right. doing our thing so is that something that that you know that we also have to do is you know well, there was an interesting interview with shakira right and um they were asking her about a video so she was going to make this music and she was stuck so she went to her kids and she says what do you think she played the song for them and these kids said why don't you add a robot and why don't you add this and what did you so she's like, oh. so she wrote the script for her video and she did it, and it was one of the hottest videos that she's ever created. And they said, you know, she goes, you know, the, the things that come out of your kids' imagination, if you allow them to be kids and you embrace that, you can, the, the magic that comes from it, that's the key. Yeah. Allow them, respect them as kids. I think today kids want to be seen, respected, um, appreciated. And so I think when we desensitize or we create these filters, we're not allowing them to explore themselves right and i think she hit it on the nose you know she's this big mega superstar she has unlimited budget she has all these bright creators around them and she went to her kids she said what do you think and i thought that was brilliant that was a fantastic example of 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 involvement in in creativity because what does it do it boosts their confidence it gets them excited you know they want to create more they want to get involved they want to explore they want to learn you know, I See, think it, it's a lot of it. Uh, also, be aware of trolls if you do that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the trolls are the problem. Also, I mean, yeah. Listen, I, I think at the end of the day, it's we all want to create. Even as kids, kids want to play. Kids want to create. Kids want to do. You know, these things naturally. We just want to create. Um, we just got. We just have to kind of give them the tools to do so. And I think. And 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 I think as a parent, I think that it's good to encourage kids to do that kind of stuff. And. Yeah. When we go, for example, when we see it sometimes at conventions, we see parents kind of pull the kids away from the table when they're when they're looking at something they want. I think that you have to encourage them because the the thing is, and I thought about this, it's like, all right, parents, listen, money's a thing. It always has been. You know, you you have kids, they're expensive. So when you go to a convention and you see a five dollar book or a ten dollar book 
and the kid wants it, I think the initial thought is, how long is he really going to be reading this book? He's probably just going to throw it out and there goes $10 out the window. Let's just move out of the way. So I understand that side of it. But you never know. That kid may fall in love with that book. And then that may spark his creativity to do other things. And so you really know you're taking a chance is what you're doing. You're taking a chance. Um, but yeah, bro. I mean, listen, what do you guys think in the chat? You know, drop, drop a comment. I think um, we could talk about this, the rest of this. Show. I know. I mean, but that's the reason why I want to yeah. do more kids events. Yeah. Because yeah. I know that the Karen, the, the, the parents are really there specifically for the kids to explore and find new things that's going to attract their interest. Right. Um, at a comic con, it's a gamble because it's driven by adults and, and they bring their kids because they don't have a babysitter or whatever the kids, they bring the kids along the whole they, they, the 90% of the time, based on other experience, it's not the intent of the parent to get something for the kids. It's really to get their book signed or get their things that they want for themselves. The kids tailored events are where, uh, if you're a kid's creator, content creator, that's where your product will shine because now you have a greater uh, uh, opportunity of success and getting it into your audience, your target audience's hands. So I think it's just how do you find more kids' events? Um, how do you get it into those arenas uh, if you're trying to build something and build a demand around a project? I think that's the the big thing. Yeah, yeah, no, and definitely. I mean, this topic to to be continued. Getting the kids' attention gets you sales. Yeah, I mean that's that's the key at uh, at at what at uh, at those at those cons. But Sammy, we were talking about. Just uh, to pivot to the next topic before, because we, you know, it's coming down to the to that hour mark. You're running a month. Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, cross gen, bro. You had something on cross gen. Yeah. So um, on Newsarama, uh, it says cross gen tales number one brings back four cult favorite titles um, at uh, at Marvel Comics. So Marvel Comics is cross gen is coming back to Marvel Comics in November via a collection of reprinted material meant to be an entry point into the world of cult favorite. Uh, comic publisher turned uh, Marvel imprint. Um, so they're doing, um, it's a giant size soft cover comic collection reprint. Of the first original, the, the original first issues of the most popular titles, Mystic by Ron Mars and Brandon Peterson, Sigil by Mark Wade, Barbara Kessel, Chuck Dixon, Ben Jackson, Ben Lay, Ray Lay, Ruse. Uh, uh, okay. So a lot of people were involved in that one. Ruse by Mark Wade and Butch Geis and So Yearn by Ron Mars. Ian Eddington and Greg Land. So um, when Crush Jen, if you guys didn't know, um, uh, I'll just read what they said. Crush Jen gained a cult following <laughs> partially thanks to its early adoption of the idea of web comics. Remember when they first came out the web comics and their, their website was fly when they came their out. Website was a lot of the money. Hook. It was so they, damn. They, they were off the hook. Yeah, allowing subscribers to read cross-gen titles via the web browser, an innovation that was basically unheard of in the early 2000s. Following a series of behind-the-scenes controversies, cross-gen entertainment went into bankruptcy before being acquired by the Walt Disney that. Company, leading to its event eventual short lives um, relaunch as a Marvel Comics imprint. So in 2001, Marvel Comics reprinted a few titles or whatever. So they decided to come back now and re-release it and try to, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming the reason why Disney might see uh, an opportunity for some sort of film adaptation of this, because they wouldn't be doing this unless they don't, someone in the um, the offices said, hey, um, I think we need to start looking at these titles. So what do you think? Yeah, I remember when Cross Gen came out. And and cross gen basically came. What wasn't it owned by some like big businessman who had a lot of money and yes. he was like he was just dropping money into. But he didn't understand the business. He yes. didn't understand not the business. He didn't understand the industry uh, that he was coming into. Yeah, he, he so so the the company went down. But it did have dope titles. It had a great website. It was dope as hell. And now I didn't realize when you said that that Marvel had bought them out. Um, that's interesting, man. Because now. Now they have, but not the Marvel. Disney pretty much bought them out, right? So yeah. now I wonder what they're going to do with these characters. So, they, so they're they're come they're bringing it out under the Marvel imprint now. All these characters, that's what they're doing. Yes, they they released it in two thousand one under the Marvel imprint, and then um then I guess they stopped, and then now they decided to come back with it with Cross Gen Tales, with those. I think that what they're doing is what we've been talking about. They're testing the waters. They're looking to see what the feedback is. Yes. It, you know, is there an appeal? Is there still an audience out there for these titles? Um, which one of them is going to rise to the top? And that whichever one rises to the top is going to be the one that they're going to take the next investment on. And George disappeared on us. Hello? 
I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking that's what it is. I think there's an agenda behind this. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not just going to go and waste money on something that's been dormant. Um, no. So, yeah. Of course. You know, um, there's there's got to be some kind of angle um, that they're yeah. doing. But you know, it, I mean, the comic book industry is, is tough right now for Marvel and DC. You know, they're under a lot of fire. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where they go. The talent is there. I mean, the, the the characters are there. Let's see what they do with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a big fan of of question um, um, when it came out. One because the 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 art and the coloring were beautiful. Beautiful. Oh yeah, they were they were great, bro. They, they were, were great. beautiful. And um, um, but again, this is what happens when you have someone who's an outsider coming in, doesn't understand the 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 ways of the land, um, wants to compete with marvel and image and be the next one um and put too much money in because uh, he was paying top dollar I and mean, he was oh yeah he was people were leaving dc marvel image going straight to question you know he had the bullpen you know all in studio all that stuff where they had the best printers the best disc the best data I mean, if you looked at that paper the bro studio, yeah yeah that, i was like man i want to be there i was yeah. like can we go visit can i spend a day there yeah, um yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it was serious. It was serious. Too much money didn't understand how comics work. You know, no, that was the recoup. problem. Yeah, to recoup that, you needed to sell millions of units. You know, yeah. the amount of money he spent on just salaries. Right, right. Yeah. He had mad titles. They had a lot of stuff going on, and they—I'm telling you, top dollar stuff. But again, it, it was the comic book industry, and I think he thought he was going to make money off of this stuff. You know, because you know, obviously, Image was doing their thing, and then all of a sudden, realized, yo. <laughs> That's not how this works, yeah. and he had to say, "I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how much Disney gave him for it." I know. That's I wonder what that deal was. Yeah, but, and yeah I wonder. Well, I mean, because he he was the one who created. Uh, it was the first one to come up with a web comic. I wonder if he had the patent for that or whatever it is, and right. was that you know was that part of the deal? Because everyone's doing it since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. You know, I know, man. The web, bro. The web. The web. The web. Now let's talk about let's talk about the web a little bit. We're talking about engagement. Engagement, right? Likes versus true engagement. Talk to me, Sam. Talk to me about this topic. Come and talk to me. I really want to meet you, girl. All right. So um, we were talking about this because um, I was listening to a podcast the other day. And, you know, I was listening to a bunch of creators. It was like seven or eight creators in this podcast. And they were, you know, about they were frustrated about the fact that um, they either have huge followings with no likes or a, a small group of followers with a lot of likes, but that it doesn't turn into engagement or sales. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, the first thing I blurted out, blurted out at the screen, I was like, well, because likes has nothing to do with anything. They probably, you know, everyone's programmed to hit like, 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 cause that's the word of the day. Everyone knows that in their brain, like subscribe, like subscribe, like subscribe. So just hit like, um, because they say, so something about an image, but, um, how do you bring them into the house, right? You know, how do you get them in the into the restaurant? How do you get them to sit down and buy a meal or get you know buy something at the bar? That's the the tough part. So I was reading on um, later blog. It says how to get more engagement on Instagram in 2022. Your car's okay? Yeah, yeah. Just have to turn on. Uh, and so they have 11 tips, and a lot of it is basic what we should all know. Right. And right, we talk right. about it all the time. It's just yeah. the actions that, that prevent us. Right. Or the limited actions. Right. So one engage with your audience through Instagram stories and stickers. Right. So what do you mean? Right. So how do you create an engagement Instagram story? A lot of it, it's usually questions. Right. So uh, it says create and share relatable memes. Right. And I see a lot of, comic creators trying to create memes to try to build an audience um create savable graphics stuff that people would love to save to you know to look back on later whether it's for inspiration or whatever it is share valuable information in carousel posts now i don't know what a carousel post is it's so, the ones uh, you swipe so you have 10 uh, of them and okay. then you just swipe 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 yeah uh, there you go see, see that's my ignorance right five include call to actions in your captions Right. So that's where you want to get group participation, a call to action. Mm -hmm. Let your personality shine on Instagram stories. Host an enticing giveaway. Right. Um, collab on Instagram reels. Think about what will inspire your, uh, your community with the ad 
your stickers. So that's interesting. Mm. What will inspire your community with the add your sticker? That's interesting. Don't know anything about that. Uh, post when your audience is most engaged and use relevant hashes. I can tell you right now, mornings are horrible times to post. Um, where I get most engagement, it's usually between the hours of four to seven. Um, because every time I post in the morning, nothing's happening. Dead, dead, dead. When I post later in the afternoon or in the evenings, I get more. Um, uh, so you got to figure out where, when your community is most active on social media. Um, but a lot of it requires time. It requires time and commitment. So when I'm looking at all this, if you really want to build and cultivate an engaged following, you have to commit to that audience. Yeah. Because a like doesn't mean that they're going to want to invest. Because if someone's going to invest, whether it's their time or money, that's those are those are really precious commodities, right? For people, time and money. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do that, it's got to be a compelling reason to do so. Yeah. That's going to be based on your <clears throat> your your um, personality and your the I guess your authenticity. Uh, and likability. Yeah, I think that's those are the three things for me. Yeah, I, the that's the that's the whole list. You read the whole mm-hmm. list. That was all eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think that, like you said, a lot of it is you would think it's common sense, but it's the how, right? It, it's uh-huh. not just it's just it's not just okay. Here's the list, but how do you get that stuff done? And a lot of it is like you said, it's time. You know, you got to get in there. You got to spend the time. You gotta you gotta. It, in order to get engagement, I think you got to engage with your audience. So, like, if an audience, if somebody posts a message on your on your post, respond to that message. Don't just leave it there hanging as if you didn't see it, you know, because that's engagement, right? You got to engage with them, you know, whether it's, you know, and from that conversation, maybe that person sends you a message. And I know that some people maybe have tons of messages. Some, some of that stuff is just spam. Some of that. And unfortunately, you got to go through that stuff just to see what it is. Obviously, if you're a big name, you don't have to. Because you don't need it anymore. You're a big name. You're going to get the likes regardless. You're going to get the engagement. You're going to get the sales no matter what. But when you're a small guy like us, sometimes you got to sift through some of those messages. And, oh, God, as annoying as it may seem to you because maybe that's not just not your personality. Maybe you don't like to engage with people. But if you're doing this, you kind of have to step out of your comfort zone and do what you got to do. You have to. It's just it's just what we have to do. I personally, I I, I should post more stories on my on my Instagram. I don't. And part of it is, you know, what exactly am I, am I putting up there? You know, you, you got to think about all this stuff, like strategically, you have to have all these strategies. And then, you know, I hate to use this as, as, as an excuse, you know, you, you're, you're dealing with work from nine to five or your regular job and stuff like that. And to get creative and do that stuff. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to do this. You know, I'm lettering four or five books. I got to get that done because, you know, there's a deadline for these things. But and some people have teams to do these things. Some people don't. Some people have the time. Some people don't. But part of it, I think, the main part of it, I think, is just engagement as far as if somebody is engaging with you, engage back. The like means nothing, bro. Like, that like means yeah. nothing. People scroll through stuff all the time and hit like, 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 like. Right, right, to right, me, right. it's about going out there, especially if you have a Kickstarter or something like this, like what you're doing right now. You know, incentives, incentivizing, like, people to say, hey, follow my page or pledge to this. I, I, making them understand what it is that they're getting for what you're offering. And I think that that takes just the old, old fashioned, send a message, talk, you know, especially now that you're doing conventions, Sam, for example, and you guys have, you guys have a good plan, you know, giving things away at the table for anybody who comes visit you at the table, you know, just, Hey, come by and say hello. And here you go. Simple stuff like that. Right. Like things that we think, Oh, we take for granted. But I think that that's part of the thing. It's, it's just, it's, Making time for it. It's the time. Making the time for it to get it done. That I think that that's what it boils down to for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the same thing. I mean, for me, you know, social media is always going to be an enigma because there are things I just don't want to do. Right? You know, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to um, dance every day um, to try to get likes on TikTok and all that stuff. Um, and I can tell you right now, there is fatigue. There is social media fatigue. When mm-hmm. I create when i go and i draw and i have to take those drawings and create a static image and create a post and go on all my social media platforms and and you know you got to write the summary and the hashtags and all this other stuff that takes time and then you get fatigued when i'm done doing that 
I have to somehow figure out how to get back in the game to go back and create again because it, it's burnout. So I go, it I is, leave. It is. I leave. I walk. So what happens is, in the morning, uh, I do the live drawstring, and then I take those images I've converted. I create the post and I post it everywhere. Right. Um, by the time I'm done posting, it's like an hour and a half has gone by. Right. And just doing that, and now I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do anything. Right. And so like you you get this exhaustion feeling. And so I walk out, I go outside and I play with the dogs and I try to get back in the game and then I'll go and I'll, I'll pick up one of the art books or something, try to get inspired to get back to, to reprogram my mind, to detox from that social yeah. media. It takes so much energy because you're so focused on trying to build something. Um, uh, I can understand why people don't want to commit all the way because it takes a lot of energy. Absolutely, man. And then if you add to what you're saying, you add a regular job to that. And now um, I wish they could have succeeded. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. What's up, Uncanny George? Um, but you take that and now you add a nine to five to that or add a regular job to that. And the stresses that come with that nine to five. And now where are you? You know, that's why a lot of projects, unfortunately, by indies don't get completed because, and I say this all the time, life gets in the way. You, you start doing other things. You know, you have a family. The social aspect can be exhausting. I can understand why people hire a social media expert to make, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why that job is there. Because my wife's people say, friend, just handle that for me. Just do that, yeah, you know? My wife's friend, she's trying to build her Instagram page, right? So what she did was she hired a student who was, a, who was um, studying to be a social media marketer or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. She hired a student who went and, and she went from having... 200 followers to having 10,000 followers right. because this girl that's all her job was to focus on her Instagram and she created her story. She created a post. She did whatever she did, the magic she did behind it. She did that. Um, you need experts, you know, and, but when you're, when you're a creator having to play in a sandbox, that's foreign to you, 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 you're going by the basics, what everyone else is doing. You do what everybody else is doing. It's the ones the, the ones that are doing more than what everybody else is doing, the ones who are rising to the top because they figured out they have the time to build those relationships. They have the time to cultivate that where you are looking at the clock because I have to write this book or I have to letter this book or I have to draw this book or I have to do this podcast or I have to go to work or I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to just build up. Yeah, no, I, I think that it, and this goes back to the topic we're having, we're, the conversation we were having last week about experts, right? So you hire this expert because you think that they're going to be able to, that's what they do, that's the expertise. But part of that also is giving control away. Yes. Because you have to be able to give up the control to that expert, to that social, especially on social media, because now they're in charge of posting what is going to represent you. So yeah. you still, you, even with that expert in hand, I think you still have to have meetings with that person to say, okay, this is what I want out. This is what I don't want out. This is what I can say right now. This is what I'm working on that, that, that can't be put out there yet. So there's still a level of, of control that you have to maintain, I guess, because it yeah. is your image. It is you that is going to be represented by this other person for you. So there's a lot of, and I'm sure that they, I'm sure as an expert, that, that media expert understands that that's what has to go into it. But then there's that side of it, right? Because you still have to sit down with this person and say, okay, for the next month or so, these are going to be the posts that post. So this, these are for the next week. This is what I can post and this is what I can talk about. So there's, 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 there's that to it also. I think that does help. And shoot, 200 to 10,000, that's great. Sign me up. But here's the other thing with that. How many of those are, are, are actual followers and how many of those are bots? How many of those are actually going to get you the engagement? Because I see some people with 10,000 followers and when they post something, 20 likes. No, but, but, 15 but, but likes. The, the, you know the what caveat I mean? was that she was building a business. So she's selling on Instagram. Mm. And so her store is selling on Instagram. Gotcha. So she gotcha. was able to build that for gotcha. her. So she knew that she wasn't, she wasn't capable of doing it on her own. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which makes sense, dude. And that's the smart way to do it. That's the smart way to do it, especially if you're selling something online yeah. um, to get those sales. But yeah, my brother, I mean, this is an interesting topic. I, obviously, we can go on and we could probably have separate shows on each one of the things that we were talking about today. But, you know, unfortunately, I do have to go back to the 9 to 5. get my hair done. Oh, get out of here. Sip, 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 sip. You fancy, bro. You fancy. <laughs> I'm so fancy. <laughs> no, but big shout out to everybody who joined us today on yes. the stream. We really appreciate all of you. I can't see who, who you are. Jerry, Krista, Doc Block, 
uh, Uncanny George, thank you all for joining us. And everybody yes. watching in silence on Twitch and Facebook, thank you all so thank much. You. Thank you, you know, if you did enjoy today's episode, please give us a thumbs up. Um, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hit that like button. Hit that bell to be reminded every time we go live. We have a show airing tomorrow, and we have a What's in the Box on Saturday. Um, and uh, I do want to say, oh, thank you, Facebook user. Um, and uh, I don't know the name, but um, uh, I do want to say thank you to Daphne Lage um, who, for sponsoring this episode. Um, her Kickstarter launches on Monday. The link will be in the summary uh, right after the show, so check that out. Um, and hold on. Thank you, RLS. You do too. Um, yeah. So don't forget, sign up for Desnailing in My Toilet. The link is in the chat. The link is in the summary. If you haven't done so already, we're at 72. Thank you for the 72 people who have signed up already. We're trying to get to 100. We launch on the 20th of September. Remember, all you have to do is just sign up and then send me an email. Uh, send me your email saying, hey, Sam, I signed up and I'll send you a digital print. Um, and if you back it on a physical tier, you'll get this exact print on the physical uh, in, in the mail. So with that said, I'm your host, Sam the Crazy Man Vera. George the Dreamer Medina. And we are out.